Hello everyone. Welcome again to Spinistry Live on the road. I am your race host Kevin Lee and uh, today we're going to start hopefully what's a new series of podcasts specifically wanting to talk with folks who have participated in the RAT and or the RAT 1000 and uh I think we'll call these segments Rat Traps. And joining us today is uh, maybe the, uh, in a way, the uncle of the rat. I think he's got more rat miles and more rat experience than anyone, but we'll qualify that during our discussions just to make sure I'm remembering correctly. It's Mr. Rich Walshman. Hello, Rich. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. And if y'all are hearing background noise, that is because we are currently uh, out and about scouting for Ride the Net, which is this coming weekend. And uh, riding along in the Spinistry Mobile, we're in between Detroit, Texas and Bagwell, Texas, parallel to a brand new section of the net that we'll be showcasing this weekend. And uh, Rich was gracious enough to join me and keep me company. And I thought this would be an excellent opportunity to uh, to review some of Rich's experiences with riding the net. Uh, well, excuse me, riding the rat. And, hey, riding the net is part of riding the rat. Yes, it has been. Exactly. Uh, do, you, do you, by chance, recall how the rat kind of came about in its first iteration, how that route was put together? Oh, well, I didn't put it together. You put it together. Right. I remember riding it, though. Yeah, you were there for year one, correct? I was there in 2014 on my aluminum road bike with 32 mil cyclocross tires on it. Yes, sir. And did you make it all the way across the great state of Texas on that set? I made it all the way across. That was 2014. Made it all the way across. Of course, I had to take a few liberties along the way because we had some some pretty bad conditions, but yep, made it to the end. Okay, and uh, we'll talk about those conditions shortly. And just to kind of fill folks in, so when we first rolled out the Rat, it wasn't the Rat 1000 the first year. It was Rat 870 yeah, or right something. Around, yeah, a little less than 900. Yeah. Um, one of the main things we wanted to do was showcase the Northeast Texas Trail, the net. Uh, we also wanted to showcase the Caprock Canyons trailways and really encourage people involved in the state of Texas and in the area that uh, had access to rail banked bicycle and hiking trails. We wanted to showcase that people would use them. Um, the reality is both trails are underutilized and quite frankly underserviced. They are hard to depend upon for formal events. So over the years, we've evolved the rat itself to not be dependent on those. Uh, the first year, we wanted to showcase those those rail trails. Uh, it's since evolved away from that, just basically for a dependabil dependability of route perspective. We wanted to lay out a permanent route that we knew would be accessible year-round. Um, so, enough backstory. 
let's talk to our special guest, Rich Walshman. So you just mentioned that year one, 2014, you did the rat on a road bike with cyclocross tires. Yes, I did. Okay. I still have that bicycle. Excellent. Would you recommend people do the rat on a road bike with cyclocross tires? Uh, no, it was the wrong tool for the job. I do prefer riding it on my Fargo now. It's a, it's a much more pleasant experience okay. than that bicycle. And so you did this year's rat, the 2019 edition. I did. It was excellent. And I assume that means that you did that version on the Fargo. Is that correct? On the Fargo. Yep. The it, a full thousand mile route, full every thousand. inch of it, no deviation. It was beautiful. Would would you think that the current thousand mile route, if you had to, would it have been doable in your on your uh, road bike with the thirty two cyclocross tires? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, I could have done it. One of the biggest questions people have about the rat is, yeah, you know, what's the perfect bike? Well, you know, that's a good point. So in, tw in 2009, I rode it on, as I said, a road bike and had to take some liberties with the route. If you recall, David rode it on his 26er hardtail the whole way. And so I think he kind of had the two extremes of bicycles there. In a nutshell, what would, how would you describe the advantages of the Fargo layout over your road bike with 32 layout well for one thing it had 2.2 inch tires okay. that was a huge difference uh it's and that fargo is just such a super comfortable bicycle to ride it's just it's just the most comfortable bike i have uh now that it has a well broken in brook saddle it's just super comfortable very compliant and a lot more sure-footed on some of the sketchier terrain that we come across and I can carry a lot more shit on the bicycle with the uh, frame bags that I have on. Now, uh, bring up a good point. There's lots of different ways to roll the rat as far as uh, overnighting and things like that. What, what's your preferred camping well, or overnighting setup? So I've done. We've done it all, all different ways. If you remember, in 2009, the first year. 14. Oh, I'm sorry, 14. The first year. Uh, that was the year that you offered uh, provisioning and carried uh, gear for us from place to place to place, and we camped out. So we had, uh, you know, the first year you carried our gear for us, and uh, that allowed us to bring way too much shit, and uh, it was too heavy to carry even from your truck to the, to the campsite. But it was a lot of fun. It was actually a ton of fun because there were people in camp every night and you could all recount how the hell you made it through that sandy pitch before the campground or whatever it was so that was a blast the next year in 15 I uh, carried all my gear on my bike and we camped a few places but what I kind of discovered was there was a pretty strong siren call to stop in a motel every couple of nights just to launder your kit and maybe take a shower and things like that. So I didn't use the camping gear every single night. So subsequently, I have uh, abandoned my gear and now plan on staying in a motel every night. And that's what I've done last year and the 
before when I completed the run. And that's just, it's, you know, it's perfect because the, the sections that are, you know, there's good towns with good motels about every hundred miles, hundred and a quarter. So there's really no need to carry anything other than uh, layers of foul weather clothes and all the stuff you need to keep your bike rolling. So how many times have you completed the route at this Okay, point? so I have participated all six years, but I only completed it every f uh, four times. Okay. So before we go any further, and uh, to avoid all the flame mail we're going to be getting, uh, although that's flattering, I doubt that I have most rat miles logged. We'll leave that to who, who would have more? Oh, Presser, probably. Rick Presser, maybe. Maybe Ray Lamb. He's done several ad hoc. Well, you know what, though? So, yeah, I completed it four times. Two years, I had family obligations that prevented me from uh, completing it. And uh, one year, I did a nano wrap just from Farmersville to Paris. Uh, and in the process, you know, I rode with Granny and alienated her on that route. <laughs> we we sub subsequently are back on speaking terms. Uh, and then... Not this year, but last year I had to withdraw in Whitesboro for issues. But uh, but yeah, I completed it four times, and I think that's you know that's not to be taken lightly. There's no, no, I not mean, not a, in the least. It's a tough course, and a lot of people find that they get out there and it's a either more than they had bargained for, or more often conditions are more adverse than their schedule had allowed. Because as I like to tell people that are contemplating it, you know, it's like, the course doesn't stop riders. Deadlines stop riders. And when people come up against the deadline and they see that they're not making the progress that they need to make to achieve a deadline, whether that's a deadline to get to a place where they have a motel reservation or it's a deadline to get to the end before they have to go back to work, I think that's what motivates a lot of people to do job. Oh, I, I, I agree completely. Um, one of the things that, as a coordinator, promoter, mad scientist, whatever you want to call it for the rat, um, one of my biggest frustrations is people that have a very specific idea of what their rat experience is supposed to look like and once it starts to deviate from that for whatever reason it can be weather it can be an unexpected mechanical it could be family obligations whatever people get off their mental plan and start to have frustrations yeah uh and then that starts you know i there's no doubt that Physicality is a large part of being able to complete the rat, but I really think uh, the majority of it is is a mental thing. It's oh, it, it is, and the, you know, the, it's a hard course. It's a really hard it course. is hard. I'm, yeah, I'm not, don't forget between from Texarkana, Arkansas to Tucumcari, New Mexico, is about 600 miles to drive your car. Right. Our bicycle route is 1,000 miles. Right. And as much fun as it is to have, you know, little Easter eggs thrown in on a weekend mountain bike uh, trip, you know, there's Easter eggs 
all over the place on this thousand mile journey. So there's a there's some hard there's some hard ground to cover. As uh, as I also like to say, there's like a thousand reasons not to finish the course, and each of those reasons is one mile long. So it's tough. <laughs> I like that. I like that a yeah. lot. A thousand reasons to not finish the rat. Yeah. And I think Lynn Ballard is responsible for about 32 of those reasons on those nasty red roads out in Hall County. Uh, red roads are uh, red roads are my personal favorite section of the, the rat. Have uh, you ever ridden it on a bicycle? No, I, ha FYI, no I have not. No, oh, I have not. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, yeah. that, is, that is on my to-do list. That'd be fun to do it in this truck. Yeah. <laughs> It was even it was even more enjoyable in Lynn's truck. I um, bet. All right. Well, actually, you've touched on okay the red roads. It's something we talk about. It's something the rat veterans are familiar with. Um, but also, we I noticed from because we had a lot more people that made it to the red roads this year than in previous years, and even people that were rat veterans but hadn't been on the red road yet were kind of caught off guard as to what it was and i'm not trying to paint the picture like it's uh you know dealing with death valley or anything like that but how would you describe that red road section what it is what it's made up of and things like that well yeah that's it's actually uh you know it's kind of daunting when you're on it but once you get off of it you want to come back in fact i've actually gone back out to hall county and ridden the red roads in both directions, you know, just for the hell of it, just because they're that challenging. But it's a section, it's it's kind of odd, because you wouldn't think it would be like that if you're driving from Esteline to Turkey. You're just going through agricultural fields, but just a few miles off the center line are these badlands that you take us through that are probably some of the most desolate sections of Hall County or any part in in this in north central Texas. It's just rugged, poorly maintained roads that go through some amazing natural beauty. Uh, mostly because of its remoteness and desolation. And steep downhills and steep uphills and poor maintenance. <laughs> um... Would you consider it dangerous? Uh, it could be dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, some of these downhills, there's some, you know, uh, longitudinal washouts in them that you could slip your bicycle into that crack and go over the top and you'd be there for a long time before somebody came to pick you out. But no, if you uh, ride within your limits, it's not dangerous. It may take you a while to get through. So you gotta make sure you have plenty of time. I am really digging this section of road here. Yeah, it's pretty nice. And just to reset, we are, while we're chatting here, scouting the lollipop on the east end of the Ride the Net. A couple of roads I've never been on before. But I'm pretty sure anyone that joins us, assuming this lollipop works like I think it will, I think people are going to really enjoy this section. Yeah, this is a pretty nice little uh, pathway. 
Now, one of my going back to the red roads. Yeah. Um, that almost looks like a real bank there. Um, one of my little, I guess, recommendations for all the riders uh, is I don't like folks riding at night to begin with because there's a lot to see, but I, I always highly encourage people to specifically on the red roads not do that at night is that is that me being too cautious along those lines or do you think that's oh no that's interesting you say that because i was going to mention that i I'm hats off to anybody that has completed it at night and i think some of the amarillo boys did it at night if not in a group then maybe jimmy Atha did it himself at night and i think maybe well this year kevin went over it at night i believe believe so i don't know how they do it well, he went over it at night on a single-speed bicycle, so I don't know how he accomplished that. So. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. It looks too dangerous. Of course, oh. I wouldn't do this either. <laughs> but that's okay. For, we, we found a mud puddle. Okay. And it had a deep hole in it. Yeah, it did. <laughs> we'll, show, we'll show that part on the video. <laughs> and now it's ruined for riding a bicycle for uh, just don't go through my ruts on that one. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I'm very convinced that we don't want to be doing Fulbright bottoms now. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a pretty cool road. This is one of those roads that you, you're riding a bicycle over it, and you're thinking, you're thinking two things. It's like, how did Kevin ever find this road? And then the second question you ask yourself is, why is this road even here? The, the, like, why the, did the county even bother to make a road here? That is something to consider. There's no doubt about that. And I'm actually being super cautious. Look at this stuff to the left. <laughs> well, we're lucky we're as dry. It's as dry. It, as it's it dry is. as we. Yeah. If the, it was wetter than this, it would be. It would be very difficult to walk a bicycle. No, it's it's perfectly fine right now. Yeah, but this will be great. Doesn't mean that we're not going to come across a section up here that isn't perfectly fine. And I've already been stuck scouting this route once on a different section. That was the Fulbright Bottoms that we were just talking about that we're definitely going around. That looks kind of high in the center, doesn't it? That does look a little high in the center. You're gonna go around this way? No, 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 no. That's too soft. We actually we want to do the ruts. Really? Or not do it at all. That's what I'm gonna check on right now. Yeah. Here, you hold this all right. and talk to people. I'm gonna go look at that real quick. Is the video feed on? Yes, it is. So they can see you fall down in that mud. Yeah. All right. So, I guess Kevin's a little bit nervous about this section of the road. Doesn't look that bad to me. I think we probably ought to just plow through it. You get enough speed, and I'm sure we could make it through that little bump there. But then again, it's his truck, and he would have to stay with it while he waits for a tow. I just walk back out to the highway, hitch a lift. So, to each his own. Anyway, yeah, the ruts are dry, but there's some pretty high stuff in between. 
nobody thinks we're going to do. Okay. Referee is coming back to the truck. We'll see what the ruling on the field is. either going to the back of the truck to get the traction pads out or he's looking to see how we're going to back up and get out of this narrow dirt road. Or maybe he's just using the facilities. Hard to say. Anyway, this looks pretty cool though. So far this has been quite a Nice little, uh, nice little route for our ride the net, the lollipop edition of it. If you saw the overview of the route Kevin's got laid out, we start out in Paris and do a long handle along the net, and then do this lollipop loop loop up here on the east. And uh, those of us that are doing the longer route will do a similar lollipop on the uh, west side of the net. What did you decide? What's the ruling on the field? Um, Uh-oh, we're going into 4WD. Low. Four low, just to be safe. Well, could we just, is, we, is the oil pan going to be able to scrape off that high, those high points? That's a darn good question. Um, I'm going to try to fade left up there where you can see oh, the, okay. the track and hopefully straddle that a little bit. All right. Let's see. Doesn't look that tall. Better safe than sorry sort no, of thing. No, I agree. Yeah. tell you but they go through to route to scout these routes for us so we can have an, a nice afternoon on our bicycles piece of cake piece of cake hmm. better safe than sorry like yeah. i said i got burnt that was no big stuck. deal no that was a piece of, yeah, nothing i was more concerned about clearance than anything you know, I'll have a harder time riding my bicycle in those deep ruts <laughs> and staying inside them without well, falling over. We're pretty, we're pretty happy with the new Spinistry mobile so far. Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. This year, I learned on the ruts that uh, are on the rat that arrow bars and ruts don't mix. Arrow bars and ruts don't mix. That is quite understandable. What? Uh, what uh, I what was riding into uh, into Vernon actually, and that was just a brutal day, if you recall. Strong wind out of the north, taking us up to Harold, where we resupplied. Then a beautiful tailwind down Hereford Penn's Road. And then back into the wind, coming into uh, Vernon. It was the one night that I didn't get to the end before sunset, so I'm riding into the dark on the unrocked road south of Vernon. And, you know, I'm down in the arrow bars, and there's a, a deep rut in the road when it was mud now it's hard as I'll get out and then my front wheel caught that the wrong way and I had no uh, control of uh, directional control and so I spilled and tore up my knee for the third time that week <laughs> you were a bloody mess oh that was bad it. yeah it was pretty bad <laughs> and it took a long time to but heal. it's fun right it was fun and what my wife uh, told me she goes well you probably shouldn't have used that water from that stock pond to rinse the wound that might have been where are we going? <laughs> that way. Okay. <laughs> that looks... Yeah, that looks rideable. It's totally rideable. It's beautiful. It's, it's pretty awesome. A child could do it. It's 
fantastic. So going so back. So why to, is this road here? Is this I don't, for it, us to have fun on bicycles. I guess so. Is it? It's amazing. It's a is it a county road a county or is road. it just a forest no, uh, a, company road? It's a county road. Okay. It's a county road. Oh, found some rock. Really? Yeah, you don't feel that rock base underneath? I do. I'm a little surprised by that because I don't see very many taxpayers around here and I can't believe they would spend the money on rocks what? to not benefit somebody. No, this isn't going to be a reclaimed section of the net here. No. Yeah. Um, Anyway, what were you saying? Uh, you touched on aero bars a couple minutes ago. Yes. Uh, there, that is one of those great inventions. <laughs> Greatest invention to bicycling ever. Okay. In the uh, in the gravel world, though, there's a lot of a uh, lot of divisiveness around aero bars. I don't know if you're familiar. with Oh that. yeah, I read some of that. But don't forget that's racers. That's racers complaining well, about, uh, complaining about each other. We, there's there's a lot of the the uh, non-racers that mock the use of aero bars oh. for gravel rides and gravel riders and endurance rides. Um, well, they might not understand the purpose of them. And what? what and that's about where I was. Yeah. So, so let me tell you what I think the purpose. What's of the purpose of aero bars well, on, on no, an endurance? There's really setup. no point in getting into too aero of a position to ride eight miles an hour down a rocky gravel road. <laughs> it doesn't really pay off that much. But what it's really good for is just laying down and almost taking a nap on your bicycle while you're going. It's probably the most comfortable way to sit there and grind out a lot of miles on the bike. And then as my friend Jimmy Atha pointed out to me, once you're down in the aero bars, your two hands are free so you can unwrap a cliff bar or another kind of candy bar. Shotgun you can a beer a maybe? No. I wouldn't do that, but uh, but yeah, you get a lot more utility when you can kind of just sort of steer with your elbows, assuming there's no ruts. Assuming, as I pointed out earlier. Yes, yeah. and the, the, rut, the ruts negate yeah. those advantages, correct? Yeah. yeah, so it's not really, in fact, they shouldn't call them arrow bars when we use use the way we do. We should call them comfort bars. Comfort, they're, they're, it's just a oh, comfort you bar. You are so full of good yeah, ideas today. Exactly. But yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't try, attempt it without uh, comfort bars on my bicycle. And I'll be honest with you, that is one area of the bicycle industry and gravel bikes yeah. and the accoutrement around gravel bikes. Yeah. I'm actually surprised. Accoutrements, that was pretty good. I think that's French. <laughs> hey, we're going to Louisiana too. So. Okay, good. Um, I, I'm surprised that nobody has come out with gravel-specific comfort bars yet, to be okay, honest with you. Minute. Okay, wait a minute. An adaptation of aero bars. All right. So we already have a nonsensical term called gravel-specific bicycle. Is which, it nonsensical? Which means nothing to me. Okay. Somebody's come up with now an even more nonsensical uh, uh, item called a gravel-specific drivetrain, which makes no sense to I'm, me. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to agree with you there. <laughs> and now you're saying we're going to have gravel-specific accoutrements? I'm, I'm saying I'm surprised yeah. that some, I'm not going to name any specific companies, yeah. that some bigger company hasn't come out with a, here's gravel comfort bars as, as opposed to, air, and they're fundamentally aero bars, Yeah, could but be. they would put, I'm just surprised that it hasn't come out with that, 
uh, gravel-specific spin on an aero bar setup. Now that said, I um, personally like uh, you know I'm a fan of using the Fred bar to raise up uh, my aero bar setup. Do yeah. you just use regular aero bars? I do, but I have a 40 mil riser on them. High risers. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, but and and that's to get the position. A, a secondary benefit of that is to have a little bit more relaxed position. The real reason I did that was again another tip from Jimmy out in uh, Dalhart, now Estes Park, uh, was because it brings them up off the. It, it allows you to reclaim the top tube or the mm-hmm. top of the bars, mm-hmm. so you have a different riding position, and it allows you to get access to your feed bags. Whereas if they're clamped down on the bars, a it's too aggressive for me, and b then you can't put your hands down on the bars. You can't. Sometimes you can't get to the feed bags. Blah blah blah. Do you, do you use your uh, your gravel specific comfort bars as additional uh, mounting? for bags or lights or anything like that or is it oh yeah i put lights on it yeah that's where i I mount my lights i'm not i don't run a dynamo hub because i don't like to ride at night so i just have a few stick lights and i stick them up on the bars to light the way and hopefully i only have an hour or two through twilight to uh, get me to uh, wherever i'm stopping okay do you, do you ride the aero bars on all of your gravel rides, or is that just when you're doing multi-day type stuff? Oh, I find almost any time I get on that bicycle and I get to a, spe- a stretch where I'm just pedaling, man, I drop into them just because it's so comfortable. So, yeah, I use them. I do, I will tell you, though, I do have a gravel-specific red blinky taillight on that Fargo. Uh, how so, so? What's that? How so? How is it gravel-specific? I think we just went through the fact that gravel specific is a nonsensical term. <laughs> I thought that's where you. I thought that's where you were going. I was just making sure. But um, it's super bright and uh, it blinks for a long time. I was making sure that's, you weren't uh, kind of contradicting yourself. Kind there. of where I think. That's kind of what I think about that. Yeah. Okay. This is another new. So new that's road. that. But don't forget, this is just one man's opinion. This is. It's not like I'm a bicycle racer. I'm just an old man on a bicycle. So. Now how old are you, Rich? If you don't mind my asking. I, it's not legal to ask that in the workplace. And this it's, is your workplace. It's not your workplace, though. <laughs> I'm 65 years old and still uh, still riding the rat. And how many miles uh, a year do you... I don't know if typical is an appropriate word, but what sort of mileage range do you ride each year? Well, uh, that's a sore subject because uh, my mileage is way down this year. IPA consumption is up a little bit, but mileage is down, and I'm just about 11,000 this year. Okay, that's a pretty high number. What, where were you at last year when you finished out? Uh, last year, I finished a little higher than that, maybe 15. The year before, uh, 17, which was my kind of peak year, best rat ever, I uh, had a little over 20,000 miles. 17 was the best rat ever? Oh, it was, it was, it was fantastic. Why? Why is that? What? It was just a lot of fun. Um, the probably the most uh, memorable thing about it was I was coming across the backside of Caprock Canyons on Road 29, everyone, one of everyone's favorites, kind of a Red Road Junior, mm-hmm. and my rear derailleur broke, but not the way most people's break. Most people's it breaks off. Mine didn't break the primary tension spring inside the parallelogram broke. So it still would 
it was still on the bicycle and it would still go in and out, but it wouldn't retract to the highest gear. So, but it would sit anywhere I put it. So it was, I went from that all the way to Canyon on basically a, uh, almost a two-speed bicycle because the front derailleur still worked. And the rear derailleur would work, I would put it in a high gear, whatever was appropriate for a pitch, and then I could downshift to a lower gear as I climbed hills. But when I got to the top of the hill, I had to stop the bike, reach down, and physically move it back down to a higher gear, which made for, just keep going, this is perfect. That's completely possible. <laughs> yeah, come on. Famous last words. What? Doesn't this have four-wheel drive? It does have four-wheel drive. Let me just make sure how firm that is underneath all that. Okay. All right. That's what happens when you have a new truck. You want to baby it the whole way. Anyway, let me finish telling the story because it was actually pretty memorable. Uh, so this bicycle, it would downshift like crazy, but then I would have to stop and put it down into a higher gear. I actually tied a cord on the outside of the rear derailleur that I tried to reach back and pull it out so that it would shift to higher gears but I didn't really find that worked and uh, then as I'm riding up towards Canyon this is the most memorable bicycle story I have ever had I'm riding in towards Canyon and two riders I see two riders approaching me coming south and they roll up on me and they say hey follow us and they turn around and I follow them into Canyon and in the uh, we go to the town square in Canyon right there by the courthouse and there are a few of my Amarillo buddies waiting for us with a replacement rear mech and in about five minutes time we have a new rear derailleur mounted on that bicycle and aligned and I'm back on my way. Uh, it sounds like to me probably one of the most me memorable experiences on a bicycle. You're admitting uh, justification for me to disqualify you. For oh, that. we uh, discussed about that in the year <laughs> uh, in the year that it occurred, and we talked about that. And the, the Amarillo, the, the right, High Plains, wrong. the High Plains that doesn't look good. The High Plains contingent uh, considered that to be neutral support because they do it for anybody. They do it for anybody. That's right. All right. We'll now, this doesn't look good, however. <laughs> you might need to have some speed to go through that. Yeah, sometimes speed is the worst thing. Mother of invention. What are we going to do? On this one. I don't know about this. Doesn't look that bad. We're going to ride a bicycle through it. Well, what he needs to do, he needs to figure out how deep those ruts are and how much water is in it. So he's going to need to go over and step off of that into the water and see how far up his leg it goes. There he's going to try. He's thinking about it. I guess he decided it's not that deep. I think we're going to go through it. After that issue he had down at Fulbright, He's got friends now in the area that he can call, guys with toe straps, that'll pull him out. So I think he's going to probably be a little bit reckless. So, let's see what the ruling on the field is. If you're nervous about it, I can take the wheel. I'm good. Okay, appreciate that. <laughs>
How deep is the water? Not deep. Oh, that's good. Of course, I didn't step through every bit of it. Well, I, there was a little dainty uh, test of it. It's what looked like it should be the deepest part. It's very, all of that was pretty darn firm. Yeah. Have no. Uh, Wouldn't issue. a little more speed help us get through right this? You through know, momentum. Here. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. Remember that Newton's law. And we're staying we're in right motion, through. aren't we? Okay. Good job. All right. Yeah, that was plenty firm, so that's not going to be any problem on a bicycle. No, we can carry a bicycle over that. Right. You know, by Saturday you'll be able to ride right through that middle section. Probably. Now that I know how firm it is, I might ride just through the water. You could do that as well. Yeah. I guarantee you Fulbright bottoms are not that firm, though. <laughs> yeah. Based <laughs> I can assure you experience. Have you ever stopped to admire that uh, display of uh, lawn art on the rat south to Avery? Every Avery? single time. That is pretty cool. And you do realize that, that, that that's all there for us, right? I thought it was. Well, yeah. I say for us. It started um, for them to show off for the rat riders going by, but then it just became it's it's catering to the cyclists and anybody that's doing the backwoods stuff in the area. Wow. So, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger each year. I think there's, what, two or three houses along there. It looks like it, yeah. doing stuff now. But that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, Somebody it's really cool. Put a lot of effort into it. Really cool. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that Avery area in general. Those folks they really have go above and beyond. They have gone above and beyond for us. That's right. Yeah, it really started out uh, austere. I remember the first rat in 14, we rolled in there, and they just had, you know, a cooler with some water and some Gatorade and... Uh, some fried pies. And they had some, some food to eat, but subsequently they've always scheduled their uh, yearly fresh fry be on the day that we roll through so that makes riding the rat extra fun so what about this next evolution of the rat the ruta suave la ruta suave la ruta suave the smooth route smooth route meaning well, it's going to be paved it's it, yeah so basically what two it was two years ago with the stage race we had the weather issues yeah um that we had to do some route modifications to try to keep the stage racers on close to schedule. We did we did end up with one zero day because of mud. Yeah. Uh, but that was also a day that allowed me to play with the maps and come up with some mostly paved go around routes for what we were, knew were going to be additional muddy sections. Uh, so we basically ended up with. Maybe 35 to 45 percent of the rat laid out same overnight destinations, but with pavement go-arounds uh -huh. uh, out of necessity for that for that year. Um, and this past year uh, for the rat, we had a group that did their own paved version of the rat, but their goal was to for as long was practical, and they had a different endpoint that they were shooting for. Where were they? They were going to Lubbock. Lubbock. Well, That's actually, it. they were going to Texaco, which was the state line, but then ultimately they were going back to Lubbock because that's but where their transportation Prior was. to veering off towards Lubbock, uh, they, they 
they wanted to do the same overnight destinations as uh, as the regular rat stage race. Uh, and I got to thinking about that. It's like, you know what? We really need to come up with pavement go-arounds for the whole thing because weather could always be a factor. Actually, weather always is a it factor. It is a factor. Um, and to, for any particular stage to have a paved version already laid out will allow us just to always stay on schedule. Ah. Unless it's like, you know, something biblical, you know? Right. Uh, so that way, stage racers never have to go off schedule, no matter what the weather is. But it's like, right. you know what? There's going to be people that want to just ride that paved version anyway. Right. And it's, you know, hey, if we can get a, a, you know, some extra folks that show up for the paved version and our stage racers and our folks that want the semi-supported or even uh, the ITT riders that just want to stay on that stage schedule, that gives us the opportunity to have a nice big group of for the traveling circus just to show up in the same town together each night for the whole week uh going back to what you were talking about earlier uh that that year one uh traveling circus thing we had going that definitely was a good time i know it's fun yeah i mean it's a blast you know that was one of those things you know it's there's a lot of lightning in a bottle type thing to that particular one. Yeah. But I think we can still encourage more of that, uh, that, for lack of a better term, social aspect of just hanging out with each other. Because everyone's tired by the end of each day. It's not like, uh, you know, we're go- going out, you know, doing keg stands until three in the morning or anything like that. But a beer and a half and a good meal and chat over a campfire is not a not a bad way to finish off the night. No, and everybody rolls in at a different time though, so you can always cheer somebody coming in. And that's always fun too. Or you can get back up out of bed when Peter rolls in and uh, <laughs> get everybody up out of bed. So that's fun. No, that was a, I think that's the best part of it, the whole uh, traveling gypsy camp aspect of it. So the route to Sauve would be paved. So I think this year, if I do that, I'm going to resurrect Big Red oh. and take Big Red on the paved route. Big Red is the uh, Big aluminum Red. road bike that I rode on the 2014 inaugural route. With the 32 cycle. Well, yeah, tires. but no, I've got, I've got, I've got 38 uh, Gravel King uh, file treads on it now. It's a okay, little, I think that would... It's a little more... And that brings up a good point. Because now I, if, if I see so, a pay, an unpaid pitch I want to take, boom. Exactly. And and that's a good point that I, anyone that's listening going, oh, hey, I'd like to, you know, take my, you know, carbon road racing bike out and do Ooh, that La Ruta Suave. That. No. The La Ruta Suave is paved, but I wouldn't consider it uh, glass smooth. You're still going to want an adventure bike setup yeah. of some sort. And who knows, you may, even if you're intending to do the whole pave thing, you may find a spot or a day and say, yeah, let me, let me try, let me try the gravel on this, on this day for a bit. Give yourself the flexibility to do anything you may come across. Right. Tell you what, let's go ahead. We're going to go ahead and sign off now. I know we're clunking and banging and making lots of noise. So thank you, thank you all for joining us on this aversion, this aversion, <laughs> this version, <laughs> this version of Spinistry Live Rat Trap Edition. Thanks very much to Rich Waldschmidt, and also thanks very much to uh, one of our 
partners and sponsors that's been along with us for years and is rolling on into next year with us, Cantu Cycling Wheels. Check out what John and Benny have to offer. They've got really cool stuff. Good night, all.